0: Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at personalization and B2B marketing using AI. I'm joined by Nathan Schaeffler, founder and CEO of MarketMate AI. Nathan, welcome.
1: Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, glad you could join. Um, so just to get us started, can you give us a quick introduction and tell us a little bit about your experience with AI and you know how you're seeing the technology evolve uh, over the last year or so?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, basically, my background has been in B2B marketing and, and at software companies. And AI has always been a core part of the value proposition of a lot of software companies, but increasingly more so as uh, more and more tools have AI capabilities built into them. Um, as far as the the evolution of AI, uh, really we can go back to the '90s when AI first you know <laughs> picked up with uh, Deep Blue and, and uh, IBM's uh, supercomputer beat, beating the world's chess champion, um, uh, Gary Kosserov Kasparov. And, yeah. Kasparov, yeah. <laughs> Kasparov, yeah. And one of the things that really shocked people was, wow, AI can do some tasks better than humans can. But one of the limitations of those systems was these are expert systems that are really good at one thing like chess. Um, And then starting in the early 2000s, companies uh, uh, started investing in neural networks. Um, You know, that concept had existed for many years. But the machine learning, you know, capabilities to learn from data and actually Mm. deal with messy and probabilistic information, which is the real world. uh, We didn't have that capability until recently. Uh, And that's where AI really took off uh, and we were able to develop things like ChatGPT, which is essentially a neural net, you know, it mimics the human brain Uh, and it's able to predict text because it's ingested, you know, billions of web pages and and text data to be able Mm. to do that sort of thing. So my interest in AI uh, has been for over a decade, but more recently what I've seen is um, with generative AI and Large language models, the ability to personalize and automate marketing content Mm -hmm. is more today than 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 ever before with any other um, AI technology in the past, because now we have generative AI that can personalize content for specific audiences. And that's that's really Mm -hmm. the the thing that got us started with MarketMate is what if we could build a platform that could learn your audience and personalize content for you as a marketer at scale.
0: Great. Yeah. Personalization has always been a. uh, a thing that we've talked about for years, but um, it's it's never until now, it seems like the technology really wasn't quite there to, to get us to the place we want to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so as you're thinking about this and I know you're focused on B2B marketers. So, you know, what are what are some of the major challenges that B2B marketers are dealing with today and compete, you know, in creating compelling content and then how does AI help them overcome some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, great question. So a few main challenges. One is, is time pressure. B2B marketers today are under more and more time pressure to reach aggressive you know, demand generation goals, to churn out content faster so that they can demonstrate their thought leadership in the industries mm-hmm. that they're uh, marketing to. So one of the ways that AIs can help those companies, especially smaller companies that have limited resources like budget mm-hmm. and personnel, is uh, generative AI can be used to help craft content like press releases, you know, blog posts, um, social media posts, advertisements, so that B2B marketers don't have to do it manually or just hire additional staff to be able to do it. They can use AI to create that content for them. The second thing is relevance, and I think this is really um, a game changer. Is there's this trend in, in marketing overall, but also B2B marketing of hyper-personalization is how do you personalize content for the different audience members? So in B2B, you typically have you know, a buying committee with a decision maker that may be at the VP or C level. You have end users who are maybe more technical, and then you have influencers or champions with generative AI, one of the things that you can do today is tailor messaging so that it resonates with each different buyer persona or audience mm-hmm. member. So it addresses their pain points, it addresses the keywords that they're that they are interested in and the hot topics that they're concerned about. Um, and then the third thing is really prompting's hard. Like millions of other marketers, when ChatGPT came out, you know, I started experimenting with different prompts, but I realized. That it's somewhat of an art and a science. You don't always get the, the quality of output that you can use in a marketing context unless you really tweak the prompts or, or refine something several times. So, one of the things that we're invested in at Market Made AI is hey, what if we could use generative AI uh, and have all the prompting on the back end so you can just describe your product, describe your customer. In the ai model can learn your audience and then tailor content for them mm-hmm. so those are some of the key challenges uh and then how we're helping to address some of those at market mate
0: interesting so so it, it really is and <clears throat> and i thought about this before you know we we talked for a while people were really excited about oh we need prompt engineers but the truth yeah. is uh, you know we need lots of people to use the tools but not that many people are really going to be Prompt engineers per se. So, so it sounds like what you're doing is that approach of of moving the prompt engineering back a layer. So, the yes. the the application takes care of that problem, and then from the user perspective, they can just interact by setting the context and giving the the basic uh, information around what they're trying to do. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, Michael. I think you hit the nail on the head is just making it more accessible, AI more accessible to regular marketers who frankly aren't prompt engineers, mm-hmm. but they want the value of AI you
0: know, for automating content yeah, for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so that ends up being more, uh, and, and I've heard the term used force multiplier for a while. I mean, we talked a lot about productivity all last year around generative AI, but, but the truth is until you can take the prompt engineering away and just allow a person to interact with the application in a natural way that it's not really a force multiplier or it is a force multiplier for a small party or force, but this actually more democratizes it so more people can actually get their hands in and do uh, productive work with it.
1: I, I totally agree. And and there's an overwhelming amount of AI tools out there such that a lot of, you know, marketers and, mm-hmm. and salespeople have that cognitive overload of man, what tool do I use for my use case? Our yeah. philosophy is rather than having sales use AI in a different way, maybe to write those prospect emails, have mm-hmm. marketing, use it for content, having a pl- holistic platform and approach to AI so your organization can adopt it and you can have alignment mm-hmm. across the channels because one of the big risks and challenges in B2B marketing, but also marketing in general is message and is, you know, how do you have a consistent you know, brand image and message mm-hmm. across different stakeholders? So. If AI could remember your value proposition, remember your audience, then you're more likely mm. to have that consistent content quality that that marketers aim for.
0: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, certainly brand consistency is something that um, that companies are very concerned about, and mm-hmm. and that's difficult if you're just going out and using a, a a you know a publicly available GPT engine because there's no way except through the prompt to control that and make sure that you're getting that consistent output but it sounds like with with a product like yours a platform like yours you you can then get that level of consistency across your whole um, organization
1: absolutely yeah because it's referencing your your same audience and their needs and their pain points
0: mm. mm-hmm. that makes sense so so your platform is focused on B2B marketing um yeah. and you know, from a B two B marketing perspective, how do the content needs of a B two B marketing organization differ from you know B two C from business to consumer, uh, and and you know what what are there, what are those needs that are different?
1: Great question. So um, I'd say one of the key differences is buying decisions are made in a buying committee in B two B versus mm-hmm. you know B two C. It could be more with one purchaser who's maybe making more of an impulse decision, for example. Mm, (laughs) Also, in in B2B, the transaction size tends to be larger. Uh, So you would need to involve several stakeholders, maybe allocate budget for those decisions. So from a marketing perspective, you're going to want to tailor messaging for different members of that buyer committee so that they Mm. uh, are able to get the information they need to make a decision. And I'm going to give an example Um, with a company I, I recently worked with that was involved in, you know, marketing collaborative robots to manufacturers, right? Mm. You've got the, you know, the the plant manager that's making more of those business strategic decisions and the efficiency of the plant. And then you've got the the engineer, you know, who has maybe a completely Mm. different mindset is what features and capabilities Mm. does it have to solve my problem? So one of the challenges with um, using generative AI to tailor content or messaging for them is you're going to have to provide a lot of context for each persona, <laughs> each audience member. Right. Members. right. Um, but rather than doing that, what if you had a platform where you had a drop-down menu and you can select, I'm writing to the engineer, I'm writing to the VP level, or I'm writing to this mm. persona, so that it could personalize content for each person on the buying committee. That's essentially what we do. And then the second issue that I see or difference is. Uh, with with B2B, one of the challenges is uh, they often have a direct sales team. Maybe with the consumer mm. products, you have a, a big marketing engine where you market your product and people buy them at a retailer. But with B2B, uh, you might have a, a sales rep who's new to your organization, new to your product, and you mm. need to teach them how to navigate the complexities of a B2B buying cycle with that buying committee that we talked about. Mm. So how do you Teach them to influence the decision maker to, you know, develop champions within an org (laughs) about the product. Right. Um, And one of the things with MarketMate is we built this sales enablement module, where it the AI model understands your audience because we've trained it on your audience. It understands Mm -hmm. your messaging. What if that AI model could teach your sales rep? Here's how you write a prospect email. You know, to this buyer persona. Here's some good qualifying questions to ask to uncover whether a prospect needs your product. And then here's how you pitch your product. If you're doing an elevator pitch at a trade show or you're on the phone with a prospect. So our model also has the benefit of aligning sales and marketing um, and uh, helping those newer reps onboard quicker by equipping them with AI generated sales materials that are relevant to your audience.
0: Hmm. I mean, so so it sounds like a lot of the difference there is. Complexity, not necessarily of the product, but complexity of the decision process, right? That yes. you're dealing with multiple personas, and so having the capability to tailor that content for the personas that you've defined lets you be more targeted and and deliver the right information to the right person at the right time in the process.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah that mm-hmm.
0: that, that makes a that makes a lot of sense, and I think. Uh, you know, certainly when you think about, I, I like to think about personalization is almost uh, down to an individual, right? So it's individualization of that to get to, you know, and that's sort of the difference between the way we used to think of it as purely segmentation, which was broad, right? And now we're talking about something where we can get it down to the the role of that individual on the committee, on the decision process, and and then make sure they really get what they're looking for. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like that would be very that's a very powerful way to think of it and also a way to to really ensure that your thought leadership resonates correctly with the right level of individual in that decision process.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's top of mind for like the the CMO or the marketing director um, is you know, how do I create relevant and engaging content at the right point in the buyer journey so that it resonates? Um and ultimately, if if you can generate their interest, then they're more likely to submit a form and become a lead. Uh, and it might even shorten your sales cycle if you properly educate and uh, the customer on the value of your your product or service. And like you said, you know, generic AI tools like ChatGPT or Google Bard or Anthropic's cloud two, they don't understand your audience uh, as well as a, a trained model like like MarketMate. Sure. True.
0: Yeah, because I mean, certainly those publicly available models, if you were really good at prompting, you could get there. But the problem, of course, is the time it takes you to try the different prompts and get that tailored down to the right place. Whereas you're talking yes. about, I build these personas and I can just then input what I'm trying to get out of this and and generate the content that's appropriate for, for whatever audience you're trying to, to serve.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So skip that time-consuming prompt mm-hmm. <laughs> design so, process.
0: Yeah. So that really is a force multiplier. Then I mean that does increase the productivity of each of the individuals across that that whole um, organization. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. So so you use AI content, uh, you know, generation, personalization. So. Can you talk a bit about? And we mentioned generative AI, which is obviously you know one of the hottest pieces of this in large language models. But but let's dig in just a little bit about um, technology. So what are you what are you using as a part of your solution? What do you think is appropriate in this environment? And then are there other processes or other um, AI capabilities that could perhaps you know add additional value as as the solutions evolve in this space?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So we use several large language models on our back end. So one is um, OpenAI's ChatGPT 4 model. Right. Another is uh, Google Gemini. We're experimenting with Gemini. And we also use Anthropic. So we try to get the best of multiple LLMs in mm-hmm. a single platform so you don't have to choose and experiment between them. Um, and uh, as far as what technology we're experimenting with, um, we are... Currently experimenting with design technologies for generating visuals mm. and images for ads, for website content, for blogs, um, and we're also looking at video processing technology. Is mm. hey, there's some text-to-video generators out there now uh, that that work pretty pretty effectively. And yeah. you know, more recently, uh, OpenAI announced that they had a <laughs> a text-to-video generator yeah. that that's in beta right now. So so we're experimenting with all the latest design technologies, because the first step is, okay, let me get my messaging done. Let me get my targeting done and let me get my content done, but now, okay, how do we get it designed according to our brand guidelines? That's, that's mm. the next area that we're, we're focused on.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's, that's very useful. I, I think, I mean, I, I saw the announcement from open AI. I've been trying to figure out a way to get my hands on that one sooner, but as we know, it's, going to take a little while, uh, but I have played around with some of the text uh, video tools and it. And that's a really interesting way to to enhance your content greatly with that, especially short videos and that sort of thing. So Absolutely. I think that would be very interesting to marketing. And that's that's certainly an evolution of where we've been with the tools. So, yeah, definitely. So. <laughs> Personalization, we mentioned a little bit before, but I mean, from a from a B2C marketer perspective, we've been talking about personalization for a long time now. We know that's yeah. sort of segmentation based, not individualized, right? But, you know, over the past few years, the technology has gotten so much better that it is finally, you know, realistic to think of that personalization capability as much more targeted and narrow. So how do you Understand the unique needs of each of those prospects, and then how how can the platform adapt to generate the content? You know the the correct content for the, each of those personas.
1: Yeah, great question. So we have a, a four step process that we call the the buyer centric AI model, um, and it spells an acronym called Lead. So first, uh, we have an AI model learn your buyer personas. So a buyer persona for your audience is like a fictitious representation of a customer and their, you know, what are their Mm. pain points? What are their motivations? uh, So that when copy content writers can personalize content for them, they have a point of reference like here's who I'm writing to. So what we do is we create one or several personas. If you're a marketing agency, maybe you have a lot of different clients uh, and each of them have their own personas. So we use MarketMate to create the buyer personas with Mm. a few inputs, like what's your product? Uh, what are your customer pain points? What's the job title if it's a B two B scenario, um, and then what's the tech stack? Maybe there's something relevant about what technology they've adopted in the past. Mm-hmm. Once we create the the different buyer personas, uh, Market Made AI remembers those, so we can personalize content later. Then we go to step two, which is e you know enhanced messaging with AI. So the AI model is able to basically create a brand architecture. If you need help naming your product name, you know your products. Mm-hmm in a systematic, consistent way. It'll develop product name ideas for you. Then we go to product positioning. You know, How do we position you as different than every other alternative in your market category? And then the third step is uh, product value proposition. So we create a, a value proposition for one or multiple products. And this is particularly useful if you're a company that has multiple products Or if you have different clients and you're an agency with different products so you can Mm. tailor content for for each product or service and different audience members then finally we get to the third step which is uh, automate and personalize content at scale so we have a number of templates for press release for a blog post for a linkedin post but Mm. the difference is once you use our platform you're able to select this is my audience here's you know the value proposition, here's yeah. the tone. And then it will use those inputs to personalize the content you know, for that audience yeah. using knowledge right. of your product, your service. And it's able to do it. Um, I had one marketing director sit with us and use it for 30 minutes. He was able to turn out two weeks worth of content in just a 30-minute session. So nice. it's really, like you said, it's a force multiplier. It's supercharging uh, content development. Yeah. And then the final step is drive sales enablement with guardrails. The reason we use guardrails is one of the biggest concerns in marketing is hey what if we don't control the message or the brand image what if you know we want to make sure that whatever's published out there to customers aligns with our brand image and our brand messaging so marketmate since we created the value proposition remembers hey this is you know how we describe our product and service in consistent terms so the ai model is able to draw on that to create prospect email sequences so if you have a newer sales rep, they have their email sequences. They can send prospects the the system can also create qualifying questions. So these are some questions to ask a prospect uh, to uncover needs. And then finally, here's your sales pitch. So using the value proposition as a blueprint, it creates a persuasive sales pitch. So if you're visiting an event like a trade show, they can have an elevator pitch for each persona <laughs> that
0: can stop yeah, by your yeah. team.
1: So True. it's really a holistic approach that we call lead to adopting AI throughout your sales and marketing organization. And I think that's really our approach that makes us unique versus um, Mm -hmm. generic AI tools that don't know your audience, or maybe tools that just do copywriting, but they don't learn your messaging. They don't learn your buyer persona, which we think is a gap in the market.
0: Interesting. Yeah, one one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I I now can see where this really fits in, is this idea that you know, we know that uh, there's a lot of turnover in sales, and in fact, uh, most of the data now shows that most enterprise sales reps or B two B sales reps are on about a 18 ish month cycle, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is you know difficult to begin with. But then, if you um, if you know that it takes about nine months to get that um, sales rep productive from the time you hire them then you add to that the time it took to hire them so you know you're without for two or three months and then you've got nine months to ramp up and then you've got nine months of productivity before you leave right? right so it seems like what you have here would be one of the ways at least to take a new sales rep and get them um into the brand into the product and in a consistent way That would help accelerate that path for them, so that they would or could be productive sooner.
1: Yes, yeah, I think you you hit on a key benefit there is onboarding faster, so you can get that productivity sooner. Mm. One of the big bottlenecks I see, especially in startups that I've worked for, is um, there's one or two people that are experts in the industry, (laughs) in the industry for a decade. (laughs) They know the product inside and out. They know the market. Maybe they're a founder, but their time is limited. And in order for these reps to be successful, they need to be educated on who's your target audience, what's your talk track, what are some good questions to ask. So if you can transfer that expert knowledge to an AI model and then have the AI model train (laughs) on a new sales rep and say, here's everything you need to be successful, it'll make uh, your onboarding much faster. You can do it in days rather than months or weeks. Mm. So that's one of the benefits that we have. And then the second one is, um, as you're onboarding, one of the things that we've seen as well with um, with sales reps is um, they really need training on exactly you know what what should the what questions and what message should I be when I'm reaching out to right. this prospect or that. And we've right. all gotten at least from a marketing perspective those Slack messages. Do you have any collateral on X, Y, or Z? <laughs> and we mm-hmm. and we are balancing thirty or forty other projects or tasks. So right. so how do we get to them? What if we could use AI to to fulfill? more of those requests because bandwidth Mm. is another concern. Startups are shifting strategies. They're uh, expanding into new markets. How do we bring the sales team on board faster? I think that's going to be a differentiator and a competitive advantage for those B2B organizations that can use AI for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and if we consider that, you know, a lot of times those products, there's multiple products, they probably sell to multiple industries. So there's so many more permutations of what you could need to know and ask and deliver and, you know, and building the thought leadership around that or or the content around that. So (laughs) that level of complexity makes that on ramp much more difficult to begin with. And so any time you can reduce that would be great. And then the other thing I guess too, is the fact that this provides consistency, even in things that I don't do very often. So, you know, as we know you train somebody when they start, they don't use it for 6 months they're not going to they're not going to remember whatever it was you gave them but if you give them tools that provide that consistency then you can you can definitely keep that in a way that can help make them more successful faster
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a key part is remembering is, you're right, once you contact, context mm-hmm. switching is hard, especially when you serve multiple vertical markets, yep. <laughs> or yeah, if you're an hard. agency, and you have 50 clients, and each of them have different customers. Um, yep. If an AI model can do it, it could, it can really save you time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that makes sense. So AI powered marketing. I might in fact, funny. The first episode of this podcast was an AI for marketing uh, conversation. <laughs> so, so we you know it's something that is 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 um, one of the areas that adopted generative AI quickly because they saw the the capabilities there as, as very interesting to what they did. You know, not just from content marketing, but other productivity gains as well. So mm-hmm. it's crowded. I mean, there are a lot of startups that are going after this. So what? How do you dis- differentiate your platform, uh, your capabilities from all of these other competitors that are popping up?
1: Yeah, so I would say three things. The first is uh, we're tailored for B2B, um, we're the only platform that really focuses on B2B marketing and helping B2B marketers. So that's one differentiation. I, I think the second one is really covering the entire marketing workflow from assigning your target market, understanding your buyer personas, to crafting your messaging, to building the content, to enabling your sales team. There's platforms that do one of those things, but not one that does all of those things for a B2B marketing organization as well as we do. Um, And the third thing, I think really, it comes down to relevance and content quality is because our system understands your, your persona, it understands what pain points they have, it understands your value proposition, we're able to really align the message consistency mm-hmm. across right. the entire org right. right so i would say those three things really make us unique in in that regard
0: yeah i mean i i, I know when when we first talked about what you're doing the the, the idea of brand consistency which it comes up in conversations so much lately uh particularly mm-hmm. for companies that are trying to use generative ai but they're really just going with the public you know access models not yeah. a, a product that's really tailored for marketing necessarily um, it's difficult, um, and it really does come down to the individual. You're expecting the individual to maintain your brand standards and and provide consistency when you really want that to be systematic, right?
1: Absolutely. You want yeah. those guardrails in place so, so yeah. every team member can align with your messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, as we kind of wind down a bit on this, one of the things that I love to get for um for audiences is giving them some real life examples so they can you know it helps it helps you visualize how this could really help you if you can see that in the context of somebody else so i was wondering do you have a a success story or two you could share about you know how a company leveraged the, you know a b2b marketing platform to content to all these different things we've discussed successfully and then, what kind of metrics did they use to, to say we were successful?
1: Great question. So, um, we worked with a company called Player Zero, which is um, their uh, product release management software as a service yeah. company and their head of marketing. Uh, we, we kind of filmed our demo on YouTube that, that your audience can see at our website, marketmadeai.com. But basically, what they were able to do was in one 40 minute session we were able to generate a press release we were able to generate two buyer personas a linkedin post a blog post and uh, all of the content for their product launch uh, in one 30 minute session and one of the comments that uh, that max who's the head of marketing there said is hey um, you know you could pay a pr agency a lot of money <laughs> to, yeah. to get this content together and we were able to churn it out in 30 you know 40 minutes Um, so one of the, uh, one of the metrics that we use for success is cost savings is if you were to hire, Mm. you know, an agency, you're paying thousands of dollars. Our subscription is $99 a month. So very reasonable to, to get automated content. Mm. Uh, and then the other thing that enables you to do is the opportunity cost of, of not having AI is huge. Um, there's a study with, with, uh, McKenzie that came out that said teams that are able to adopt AI achieve you know, up to 15% higher revenue uplift, you know, 20% Mm. higher sales ROI. Uh, And there was another study by Spiceworks where they interviewed B2B marketers, and they said Mm. marketers who use generative AI for creative cycles like content development are able to produce content 50% faster. Mm. So there's a lot of um, positive ROI companies can get, and uh, Player Zero was just one example. But we have, you know, a few examples and, and also five stars on G2, so people can check us out.
0: Yeah. Nice. I mean, that, that is definitely, I mean, just, just the idea that you're, you know, 50% faster that, I mean, that's a, that's a a very impressive, incredible metric that certainly any content marketing team would be very excited about. Um, and the Mm -hmm. fact that you can not only just produce more content, but produce better content in that same, you know, context. So yeah, that's good. Um, so we're, we're running out of time. Um, I really, Nathan, I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, before I let you go, though, I, there's one thing I always like to ask, um, just to help the audience. Uh, could you recommend, you know, someone, an author, a thought leader, or some other, you know, mentor that's influenced your career that you think would be useful for the audience to, uh, to, to know about and, and to uh, actually, um, you know, use, read? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, I would say Richard Branson, screw it, just do It's <laughs> mm-hmm. like a synopsis of some of the business lessons he learned throughout his life as, you know, a successful entrepreneur. But one of the things that really stood out to me is him, you know, proposing if you have an idea, you know, like, don't, don't be afraid to take calculated risks mm-hmm. because the, the worst, the best you can do is learn something new and the worst thing you can do is fail, but that's okay. That's how you learn and, and how you grow. So I would say, uh, People should be more open to to trying, you know, new journeys and adventures that that cause them to learn and grow, and uh, and you'll be surprised how far you go with <laughs> if you take that venture and that, that risk.
0: That, I mean, that's a that's a great recommendation. I, I I've seen uh, uh, Richard Branson speak a few times, and you know, wow. taking advice um, from somebody who started their first business when they were you know in high school. And somebody who, you know, at one point when I heard him speak, they had 200 uh, businesses in their portfolio. So prolific and certainly someone who has taken a lot of risks to to get to uh, where he is. So, yeah, definitely a good recommendation. And, you know, for the audience, obviously, uh, you guys should check it out. Uh, it's, um, it's a good read and, 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 you know, Richard Branson, really interesting story. Um, so Nathan, that's all the time we have. I really, really appreciate you joining me today. Really great, um, uh, information, some nuggets in there that I think, uh, you know, will really help, uh, the audience, uh, get more out of their, uh, content marketing as they try to use AI and more effectively. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. And if any of your listeners want to continue the conversation, we're always open to, you know, visit our website at marketmadeai.com. Be happy to set up a free demo and and, and call. So thank you for having
0: me. Great. Thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week. I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.